Welcome. This is Out of the Ordinary Books, where we believe that the books we read help us better understand the lives we lead. I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm Christy Purifoy. And every week we share an Out of the Ordinary book and how it can help you make sense of your story too. These aren't book reviews or recommendations. These are conversations about some of our best friends, worst enemies, toughest coaches, most passionate lovers, and kindest teachers that line our bookshelves. We hope these conversations help you see the deeper story hidden right in plain sight in your ordinary life, too. Get comfy. Here we go. Friends, we are continuing our podcast summer series in which we hear from authors in their own voices with something truly special. I was only very recently introduced to the work of the author who will be reading to us today, and the timing could not have been better for two reasons. First, I began to read some of his writing online just before the release of his first published book. So, I didn't have to wait long to hold his work in my hands and appreciate more of it. I'm holding an early copy right now, but by the time you listen to this, his book should be widely available. And if perhaps you're listening right away, you won't have long to wait. I encourage you to pre-order from your favorite bookseller as pre-orders really are a gift to authors and help raise the visibility of their books with sellers so more readers can find them. And second, (laughs) this next writer we're sharing with you is a poet, and I find that poetry has a special ability to help us explore and understand those feelings, ideas, and experiences that are the most difficult to express in words. Today, our guest author is Drew Jackson, a pastor and a poet who has given us a collection of poems called God Speaks Through Wombs, Poems on God's Unexpected Coming. As is often true, yet seems especially true as I record this introduction, the news headlines right now are devastating. So many parts of our world, and perhaps also so many parts of our lives, are in upheaval. Poems about God's unexpected coming seem especially needed right now. Another really wonderful thing about this book, and another reason I encourage you to purchase a copy for yourself, is that it includes an introduction by the award-winning musician John Baptiste, whose music you may know from the recent Pixar movie, Soul. In praising Drew's poetry, Baptiste writes this, The joy and pain of our lives can leave us speechless. I'm sure you know as well as I do how true that is, but this is why art matters so much. This is why we continue to root our podcast conversations in works of written art, and this is why I especially recommend Drew Jackson's poetry to you. Poetry and other creative writing can give us back words, can even return to us more of the word or logos. Drew's poetry does this especially well as he weaves his own poems out of the Gospel of Luke. 
As Drew writes in his own introduction to God Speaks Through Wombs, this collection of poems is a small contribution to a much larger conversation about justice and freedom that has been happening for millennia, from journeys through the wilderness to the holes of slave ships to the pews of black churches to grandma's kitchen table. Lisa Joe and I are both so glad and grateful to step into this conversation with Drew Jackson's poetry as our guide. Thank you, Drew, for doing the hard work necessary to return speech to us at a time when so much leaves us speechless. God Speaks Through Wombs Chapter 1 Openings And from chapter one, I will be reading the poem titled God Speaks Through Wombs, written in reflection on Luke chapter one, verses five through twenty five. And this portion of scripture tells the story of the birth of John the Baptist. God speaks through wombs. In the days of empires and puppet regimes. God speaks. Through wombs. Rested and discarded because they were unviable. This is what they do. The Romes, the Babylons, the USAs, the men. Tossed to the side as detritus, that which they've deemed unfit to be utilized. But God speaks through wombs, birthing prophetic utterances. The object of public scorn, given the power to name the happenings of the Lord. Elizabeth is her name. Say her name. It is she who will be the one through whom the covenant is kept. She, like a priestess, speaks her word while the leading male voices are shut. Enough of this unbelieving religion that masquerades as faith. Divine favor is placed on what we have disgraced. Chapter 2, Revelations. And in chapter 2, I will be reading from the poem titled, Treasures. Written in reflection on Luke chapter 2, verses 17 through 19. And in this portion of scripture, we find the shepherds who just heard the news about the birth of Jesus, bringing that news to Mary, telling her about what they heard about who her son would be. Treasures. Some things that come my way, I take and quickly discard so that they do not wound and leave scars. Or at least I try. But these things somehow burrow themselves deep within my memories. But other things uttered by the tongues of those who tend herds of tender words, I hold close to my breast and lock inside this treasure chest so that bandits who ride by cannot break inside and steal my dreams. These I ponder in the night watches, praying they do not float away on the winds of despair. Chapter three, Immersions. And in chapter three, I will be reading from the poem titled, 
the waters of my weeping. Written in reflection on Luke chapter 3, verse 20. And in this portion of scripture, Jesus has just heard the news that his cousin, John the Baptist, has just been arrested. The waters of my weeping. One of my brothers, my cousins, added to the number of your incarcerated masses. One in three of us. Unarmed? Yes. A threat? Yes. To your abuse of power and the way you sit so comfortably in your palace while we struggle to eat out in these streets. But in this hour, I weep. Again. For this innocent man baptized into your carceral system. Immersed into this jail with no bail. I am forced to witness this unholy sacrament. This state-sponsored religious act. And for what? Something about his person disturbed you. Maybe by passing him through these waters, you will convert him to the faith of unsacred silence one way or another. I'm sorry that it frightens you when we fight for our humanity. But tonight, I cry. These tears have become my food. I dip myself in the pool of the waters of my weeping for my brother, for my cousin, for all of us until they stop locking us up. Chapter four, Temptations. And from chapter four, I will be reading the poem titled The Anointing, written in reflection on Luke chapter four, verse 18. And this is the portion of scripture where Jesus stands up in the synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth, when he's just starting out in his public ministry and he reading from Isaiah chapter 61 and he tells the people about why he's come, about why he's been anointed. The anointing. There are times when that something comes over you. You know those times. Pay attention. Let it fill you to overflowing. Allow it to move your pen to write. Open your mouth to say those words at which you tremble. Pick up that brush to paint or sweep. But whatever that something moves you to do, let the spirit take you. To shake the foundations and make new worlds to break open new paradigms and design an unforeseen story. To love. It will always move you to love. When it comes, it will drip slowly, like oil, running down the crown of your head, leaving little droplets of sweet-smelling perfume in the dust around you. Don't wipe your brow. 
let it fall. The place on which you stand is holy ground. Sometimes that genius will find you in the midnight hour. Other times it will overtake you at the high point of the day when all eyes are on you. No matter. The time will always be right. I have learned not to be surprised that I have been chosen. We have all been chosen for love. The anointing was given at creation's dawn. The oil always drips, waiting for you and for me to stand under its flow. Chapter 5, Rolling Deep. And chapter 5, I'll be reading from the poem titled, Who Can Forgive? I wrote this in reflection on Luke chapter 5, verses 20 and 21, which is the story of Jesus healing a man who's been paralyzed since birth. And uh, that man's four friends brought him to Jesus so that he could be healed. Uh, but when he gets there to be healed and Jesus goes to heal him, the Pharisees and the religious leaders are skeptical of what's happening they don't approve of what Jesus is doing, especially when Jesus, before healing the man, pronounces forgiveness over the man. And they mutter amongst themselves and they say, who can forgive sins except God alone? And so this poem is in reflection on that story, but also in reflection on what happened in Charleston with the shooting, uh, the mass shooting of the Charleston Nine in the Mother Emanuel Church, and also the shooting of Botham John in Dallas, Texas. In both of those cases, if you remember, the family members of those who were shot and killed um, went out of their way to offer forgiveness to the shooters. And so this is in reflection on all the complexities that come with that, especially when you bring in uh, the narrative around race in America. Who can forgive? Who can forgive? A white man walking into our mother to shoot the roofs off black bodies. Who can forgive? A white woman, amber, light hair, plain clothes, wrong home, sending bullets through a brother. Who can forgive sins except God alone? Chapter six, On the Plain. And from chapter six, I'll be reading from the poem titled Enemy Love. And this is written in reflection on Luke chapter six, verse 27. When Jesus says to the crowd who's gathered there as he's preaching his sermon, he exhorts them to, to love your enemies. And so this poem is written uh, from the, the standpoint, from the viewpoint of a mother who may have possibly been sitting there listening to Jesus' words, but she's a mother who lost her son uh, a few uh, way back in the slaughter of the innocents that is recorded at the beginning of Matthew's gospel, um, where Herod sent uh, his troops out to slaughter all the male children, two years old and under. 
And so it's her reflecting on these words, love your enemies, that Jesus is speaking. Enemy love. They came to our little town. It was so quiet. A silent night. Until they rode through and took pieces of our hearts. Slaughtered our innocence. My chest pounded and beads of sweat dribbled down my temple as I hid with him, my infant, my boy, cloaked underneath my prayer shawl. But infants have not yet learned the rules of our world, to be quiet, to look down at the dirt and hush your sound when they are around. His cry gave our hiding place away and they took him. Away from my arms he went, and then it was a silent night again, for a moment, until I joined the chorus of mothers wailing under the cover of now empty prayer shawls. The shrill weeping of that night haunts me. Chapter 7, Life Lessons From chapter seven, I'll be reading from a poem titled Mothers Like Us, written in reflection on Luke chapter seven, verse 13. And in this passage of scripture, Jesus shows up in a town and finds a widow whose son has just died. And this this widow is weeping over the, the loss of her son. And so I'm thinking about not only this woman, but all of the mothers who particularly have lost sons to police violence. Mothers like us. These tears stream for all mothers everywhere who know this pain. Mamie. Leslie, Samaria, Sabrina, Tressa, Valerie, both of them, Hawa, Kadiatu, Constance, Iris, Larcinia, weeping from the heavens as her boy called for her and the tens of thousands of others who have known the feeling of being wordless and sunless. These tiny tunnels behind my eyes won't stop their flooding. Like the broken faucet on my bathroom sink, there is no turning this off. My hands are motionless down at my side, yet somehow, I feel a finger running gently underneath my right eye, collecting my liquid grief while these words reach me. Don't cry. The words heaven speaks to the mothers of earth, mothers like us. Chapter 8. Parables and Other Things. And from chapter eight, I'll be reading the poem titled The Power of Parable, The Power of Parable, written in reflection on Luke chapter eight, verse four, as Jesus is getting ready to tell another parable. 
And this poem is also written in reflection on this quote from Octavia Butler's The Parable of the Sower. The destiny of Earthseed is to take root among the stars. The power of parable. Down through the ages, we've passed down wisdom through story. This is what the scholars call oral tradition. We simply call it living. Because there is no life without the elders gifting us their parabolic insight. Subversive, like Octavia's earth seed. They unearth the power of our humanity that has been covered by years of subjugation, reminding us of our connection to the divine. They tell us of things certain folks fear. Things those on top do not want us to hear. So give ear when these stories are uttered. It is here that we must do battle, rattling the cages of evil with the power of parable. If you enjoyed today's conversation, won't you take a moment right now, open up that podcast app and look for the subscribe button right next to our podcast profile image. And we think this podcast is best enjoyed with friends. So tell a friend. Click share episode in your podcast app and send a friend our link.